0: SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, make sure you grab a mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Gomez. You can find me on Twitter, at RJ Gomez. Find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And now, like I said before, on the SGPN app. Hey, we hope that you download that app, not only because we love the product, but we also want you to be able to listen to these episodes a heck of a lot easier and push notifications makes it better so you know when each episode comes out. Today, we're going back to the well again, back to the principal's office because our administrator, fantasy administrator, you like that title, Adam? That's your title. The new fantasy administrator, Adam Pelletier, is calling us back into the principal's office to defend our projections, which are live right now on the website. Make sure to hit sportsgamblingpodcast.com and uh, and find our projections. So Adam, uh, we're, we're back in the principal's office. we got Scott R., we got Jeremy P. in here, and we're all about to defend our projections to you again. You just couldn't get enough of it last time, could you?
1: No, it's like we almost... Exactly divided this four divisions last time, four divisions this time. It's almost like we planned this or something to have this discussion as an epic two-part podcast or something uh
0: no you just like calling people into the principal's office that that is the fun that you get i mean in this. who
1: doesn't love to be the villain Ro, rod i mean come on there's enough good people in fantasy football we need some fantasy football villains i feel like <laughs> so i'm just embracing that at this point just just the e- essence of evil over e- here
0: essence of evil A- adam has his wwe uh heel hat on today and he's he's ready to wear it and ready to take us to task so um all right we are going to do the same type of format as we do for our normal shows, right? It's three minutes per, but we're breaking down the NFC South, the NFC NFC West, and the NFC North. Uh, and each we have the representatives that actually did the projections here uh, to defend their projections. And yeah, so it's three minutes per topic. Adam wanted to really just dig into a few of these after he saw our hard work. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just defend him, right? So Jeremy, you are up first because you, my friend, did the NFC South. Uh, our fantasy administrator has got some questions for you. Three minutes on the clock. We start uh, with Adam Troutman. And it's got a question mark. Jump? Adam, what's this all about?
1: Adam Troutman going from catching, being targeted 15 times last year. Uh, I'm sorry, 16 targets last year to 101 times this year. Jeremy, what? What are you thinking? The man has one year in the NFL, converted high school quarterback, hasn't played that much, and all of a sudden, he's going to finish the year as like a top 10 tight end, as the tight end six. What are you thinking? This is insanity.
2: I don't think it's that much of insanity. I think that you're looking at a guy who... Came out last year, and despite his 15 targets, he caught 14 of them or more. I mean, he had a very good catch percentage. He's a very good receiving tight end. He was coming out of Dayton. Um, I think the converted quarterback just proves to you that he's an athletic guy. Um, Sean, or Sean Payton always likes to kind of use these guys. Kind of reminds me a little bit of that Jeremy Shockey type role. Um, But I just see you have Jared Cook, who left. You're vacating at least 55 there from last year in 16-game season, and he had his 15. So, I mean, you're easily should be close to 60 to 70 there. And then you just add into the fact that you're bringing in Jameis Winston to start, who I expect to be throwing the ball a lot more. He also has always favored his tight ends, especially in the red zone. And I just see you have Michael Thomas, and then after that, it's an open competition for target share, and why can't it be Adam Troutman is really my
1: question. I mean, if by favored you tight end his tight end, you mean he's never had a tight end as his top three receiver. I mean, sure, okay. we can say Cameron Bright and OJ Howard combined at 108 targets, but at the end of the day, neither of them broke 60. And that was in 2019. And in 2018, same thing. Cameron Brait, 49. OJ Howard, 48. He's never looked to one tight end with consistency. It's more the fact of the tight ends are open because they're covering those talented guys on the outside. You've got Marquez Callaway. And the bigger thing right now is Adam Troutman isn't even the starting tight end in New Orleans. It's Nick Vanette is the starting tight end. You have the backup tight end in New Orleans slated for 101 targets. My man, what are you doing?
2: Yeah, Nick Vanette's not the starter. He's a blocker. Trust me. I, it's I, going to be Adam Troutman. Trust I, me. I'm, I'm what happens there. if
1: Jameis doesn't start and it's and it's Taysom Hill? I mean, you're going to tell me and Taysom Hill's good. I think we're all in trouble at that point. <laughs> the only person who's going to be happy is the lead, is the site that still has Taysom Hill listed as a tight end. But I, I, I just can't get behind this triple digits for Adam Troutman. I mean, think about it. You've got him at QB6. You got him ahead of guys like Logan Thomas. You got him ahead of Guys, I can't even think of guys you got him ahead of. You got him ahead of everybody right now. He's only behind the Holy For- the holy Trinity plus Kyle Pitts. Hey, you, know, you know, I mean, are you taking him that early? Where are you targeting him if you think he's going to be that
2: good? Me? I'm targeting him where his ADP's at. I mean, he's got a, a steal of an ADP. I mean, he's going in near the 12th round. I mean, he's... I just think that the opportunity is definitely there. He's a breakout candidate, just basically, like I said. I mean, there's no other targets there. I mean, you have Marquez Callaway, you could argue, but he proved last year. I mean, he's not overly great. You have Traquan Smith, who can get the job done, but he's not a prime target. And yeah, Michael Thomas is probably going to get his share back, but there's still so many targets to go around on a team that I think is going to still pass heavily and I personally like. If you want to talk about Logan Thomas, I think Logan Thomas is going to drop off. I think they added more targets there, and I just think that
1: slander, yeah. slanderous. Yeah, he, so I just don't see. So you'd it, rather yeah. have Adam Troutman than Mark Andrews. You'd rather have Adam Troutman than Irv Smith. You'd rather Smith, have yes Adam Troutman than T.J. Hawkinson. You'd rather have Adam Troutman than Mike Gaseki. You'd Gusecki, rather have
2: yes. Troutman
1: Hawkinson, No. I I don't know who has Hawkinson below tight end six. I think Hawkinson's (laughs) tight end ten right now in
0: the projections, my man. So you got you got
1: I think you're just way too high on Troutman. I think Uh, it could be.
0: (laughs) This Adam Troutman Look at plot twist. Taysom Hill becomes the tight end and Troutman resumes as a quarterback and you're all screwed. So, uh, so we're going to move over now to Atlanta where a new position has just opened up. And that is the position of wide receiver two. Calvin Ridley, arguably had that as Julio Jones now departs and opens up the one spot for him. And now the question is, uh, Adam wants to know, uh, Mr Mr Jeremy, who's the wide receiver 2 in Atlanta? Adam, go ahead.
1: Ah, that's that's the question right there, Jeremy. Who's the <laughs> wide receiver 2? Kyle Pitts. Is that
2: an acceptable answer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the second best pass catcher, but you got Russell Gage taking a step back in targets. Last year he was targeted 109 times. You think he's going to only going to have 82 targets this year? I mean, what's your thinking there? I just, looking at this last year, Calvin Ridley, 143 targets, Russell Gage, 109, Hayden Hurst, 88, Julio Jones, 68, and then Amole Zacchaeus, 32, you know, and then we're into the just just another replacement guys. So I'm just, I don't know how you see this huge drop for Gage. You know, it feels like the team got worse, so they're going to throw the ball more and Gage is going to have less coverage against him. He's going to have more opportunities. How is it not enough, How is it not just going to be triple digits across the board for Ridley, Gage, and Pitts? I see it being more as a committee behind
2: Calvin Ridley, um, and that's why. I think that, yeah, also Gage did see 103 last year. I see, I believe, if I remember correctly, that there's a slight dip in their target percentage, like as far as just as much as Atlanta's going to throw. Um, I think that Atlanta's still going to throw a lot, I just see them kind of dropping off a touch. And then at that point, like I said, I think Zach... Oh, we'll call him Z, because I can't say his last name. Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus, there we go. Zacchaeus, Olamades. <laughs> Olamedes, I, I Zacchaeus. I think he sees some work. I think you see Mike Davis get into the game. I think you still see Hayden Hurst. I think that Arthur Smith's going to run a little bit of 12 personnel. He'll get two tight ends out there. I think you'll still see Hayden Hurst get used to an extent, not to his 80 that he had last year. But I just think Russell Gage really proved to us last year that, yeah, he saw 103 targets, and he was a serviceable receiver, but – I mean, he didn't show anything special, so why give him hundred targets? You know what I mean? As a head coach, I mean, yeah, he's a decent guy. I think he can do the job. I just think that why not pass a couple more over to your your star now, which is Calvin Ridley with Julio gone. You're gonna more than 143
1: targets. More you want Calvin Ridley to get more than 143 targets? That's I, a I massive share. It. Fun fact Russell Gage had a better catch percentage last year than Calvin Ridley. yeah six percent.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, Calvin Ridley also has deeper throws. I mean, he had a little bit better corners on him. Yards.
1: He did have a deeper yards per reception. But at the end of the day, you got to think, what, this team didn't get better. They got worse. And even without touching any of these other guys' touches, you can get Kyle Pitts easily to triple digits. So I think you're really underselling Russell Gage. I mean, Russell Gage right now, you know, in our projections slotting in, As the wide receiver 65, that just feels too low. He's a wide receiver three. He's going to be a nice wide receiver three option flex play in your shallower leagues. And he's someone who has to be rostered in all formats because at the end of the day, he had triple digit targets last year. He's probably on track for triple digit targets this year. I mean, regardless of whatever Kyle Pitts does, because again, he can get triple digits without touching Russell Gage's share.
2: Yeah, I mean, he could in theory. I just feel like that. I just see still that they're gonna there's gonna be a massive drop off. I don't think they throw 630 times this year. That's my personal opinion. I just don't think that the team built that way.
1: That defense got worse. Mike yeah, Davis that isn't that out. bruiser between the tackles that you want. I love Mike right. Davis, but that's just because he's the skilled pass catcher out the backfield. I don't think this team's going to be ahead in many games. I think they're going to be behind and throwing it. 630 seems like an understatement. They're throwing it 640, 650 times probably this year.
0: do will leave Atlanta yeah, I mean, fans saying, bring on the legends. Bring on the. All right, Jimmy, last word. Last word to Adam. No, and then we move on.
1: No, no, no. The legends are. Oh, God. That's even worse. Ah,
0: all right, Jimmy, last word, and then we'll move on.
1: I'm, I'm good.
0: I think I I I
2: lost that one by the sounds of it. I, I don't
0: think you lost it. I'm just saying, bring on the legends. All right. Speaking of legends, we have two that are on the Madden cover this, uh, coming year. One just so happens to be, I guess, arguably the greatest of all times. But I think Adam, with this being said on this sheet, thinks he might be a little bit too high. Uh, Adam, please ask Jeremy what he's thinking about Mr. Tom Brady.
1: Why do you think that Tom Brady, with a harder schedule, is going to have a better year this year? In playoff games last year, Tom Brady was equal touchdowns to interceptions. He didn't have a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio against playoff games last year. All of his fantasy points came against underperforming non-playoff teams. He's playing a first-place schedule this year. His division, the Panthers' defense, got better. The New Orleans Saints defense is still just as good. Sure Atlanta's defense didn't get better, but they're playing a first-place schedule. He's going to get knocked around by defenses and we saw it last year. He had three he had four games last year with with multiple interceptions. All of them came against playoff teams. Two against the Saints in week 1, three against the Saints in week 9 two against the Rams in week 11 and two against Kansas city in week 12. He got knocked around. He got hit a lot and he threw a ton of picks. The arm strength can't get any better. And this team is going to be infected by the disease of me. And you have him finishing as the QB five.
2: <laughs> I just think that again, I mean, I don't necessarily, I agree. I think that all those teams definitely got better in the division. I think, obviously the tougher schedule with playing the first place teams. It's hard to argue strength of schedule this early too, in my opinion. I think that you're looking at it. Yeah, they were first place last year. What happened? How'd this go? There's an off season teams get better. It's a, it's a tough argument at this moment, just in my opinion, but I do see what you're saying. I mean, obviously it's going to be harder than what they had last year, but I still think that the argument could be made. Okay. They're playing a harder schedule. Okay. Yeah. They had some cakewalk teams in there, but, who says that they don't have to throw more? You could make that same argument that we had with Atlanta. I mean, if this team, yeah, their defense is, is solid. It is a good defense, no no doubt there. But who says that they're not playing from behind a little bit more this year? They they get a healthy Chris Godwin. Hopefully, he plays all those games. I mean, he missed, f- what, four last year. So you can argue that Chris Godwin immediately gives him a bump. And it, Godwin is also kind of a yak guy. I mean, you don't necessarily need to throw that ball that far. And Tom Brady's shown it year in and year out that, the need to throw the deep ball, he can still be productive without that. Yes, he can do it and he uses it to his advantage. And that could be something that you see this year. Like you had mentioned where it tails off. There's a point where he's got to tail off. Correct. But I just see, I mean, even that Antonio Brown's going to be there all year this year. I think it's gonna that start week three,
1: it's going to start week three. Uh, he doesn't have it. his Panther games are in week 16 and week 18. He is not yeah. set up to have a successful year, and he gets the Jets in Week 17. Outside of that, from Week 3 on, Rams, Patriots, Dolphins, Eagles is a low spot there. That's fine. Bears, Saints, Washington football team, New York Giants, Indianapolis Colts, Atlanta Falcons, he gets a reprieve there. Then he's got to play the Bills and the Saints in the fantasy playoffs. You're looking at a guy who's going to see a massive step back and – Going to throw way more than the four picks you have him slated for. He's going to be in the. He's going to be over twelve. He's probably going to be closer to sixteen picks this year. And he's going to take a bunch more sacks. He's going to take a beating this year. And I would be shocked if Tom Brady played all seventeen games this year. Wow, you're just discrediting
2: the yeah, Tampa Bay offensive line. I think they might have a word there. I just Tampa Bay
1: offensive line is trash how much better did that line get and they didn't play anybody last year again they didn't play anybody this is the thing i keep coming back to they have teams with some of the best pass rushes and best defenses in the nfl coming to town starting week three with the rams rams patriots dolphins right there three tough hard defensive games they get a break then it's bears saints washington football team chase young is going to go for three sacks in that game I mean, you could argue that
2: last year, though, too. I mean, you, they played the Saints again twice, Carolina twice. Their defensive line's not a slouch. The Broncos' defensive line isn't terrible. I mean, they were missing Von Miller, but the Chargers had a good line. The Bears, I mean, they played a lot of the same teams. The Packers, the Raiders, the Giants, the Saints, again, Panthers, Rams, Chiefs. I mean, you're, you're arguing almost the same schedule other than obviously adding the Washington football team, and the Lions are on here, so that's a reprieve. Like you had said, the Vikings weren't great, but – I mean, I just see it that I just can't see him tailing off. I don't think he's ever had that many interceptions in a season. I just don't see that tail off coming. I think that he's just proven that he takes care of his body and he's just, I just don't see also Bruce Arians putting him in that situation to be throwing him into those scenarios where he's got to push the ball like that. I think just the combination, he's just an efficient passer with a combination of a decent run game and I just see a lot of production out of Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, in those short screen areas, and creating plays after the catch. And I mean, five might be a little steep, but I just I'm shooting high here. I just I have high expectations for him this year. I think this team proved last year that they they're still got it, and Tom Brady still has it.
0: You don't get on the cover of a Madden without being one of the greatest. We are over the time limit. Look, overtime is overtime. You pay me to keep things running, I gotta keep things running. And we're gonna keep things running. Thank you, Jeremy, by the way. That was very compelling and solid. I think you uh, held up well under the withering glare of our fantasy administrator. Uh, But we will move on now to the NFC West where it it was my turn to uh, do projections for my first time ever. So I'm going to get grilled uh, by Adam. And and I get to be on the clock i don't ever really get to be on the clock so uh let's flip this around shall we adam we're gonna start uh you you don't like my take on christian kirk so go ahead and let me have it
1: no you're being straight up disrespectful (laughs) to the second best receiver in arizona you're just like yeah no christian kirk not really gonna do anything I mean, just Rod, what do you think? Come on, talk to me here. Talk to me here.
0: All right, listen. All right. He was the second best receiver, was the second best receiver on the Arizona Cardinals, but that wasn't saying much. Look, he targeted 79 times. He only caught 48 of them. That's a 60.8 reception. How can you trust a guy like that? Right, he's the lowest catch rate on the second lowest catch rate on the team, and he's totally un- inconsistent. Right, he had one game over a hundred yards. It was a 123-yard game. That's great. That's fine. That that's a good game. But that was only one. He had two games with two touchdowns in this, but he had six games. Six games with 50 or fewer receiving yards, and eight games with three or fewer catchers so you're telling me that i'm supposed to load up on a guy that first of all can't produce consistently second of all really when he does produce it's not that great and not to mention you join you have aj green now on the team right he's gonna AJ take a-
1: green is a decrepit shell of himself he was targeted 104 times last year and only caught 47 of them a 45% catch rate, and he was his team's third best option. A.J. Green is washed and has been washed for the past three years now. If you're counting on A.J. Green to come into that Arizona offense and take a lead role, you, my friend, are sorely mistaken. A.J. Green is there to be a professional and be a veteran. Christian Kirk, however, gets to move inside into the slot where he's going to play a lot better and have a lot more opportunities because he's not going to be facing outside corners. He's not a guy who's going to work well on the outside there. You're moving him into the slot, taking over that Larry Fitzgerald role. He's going to get to pick apart the middle of the field, and he's not just going to have to be a strict deep threat. That's going to be more Andy Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. You're banking on A.J. Green, and you have A.J. Green slated like he's A.J. Green from five years ago, who was a force, AJ Green hasn't been a force the past 3 seasons and he's looked he looked absolutely washed up last year. Again, 45% catch rate. Rod, I could put you out there in that Bengals offense and you'd have a 50% catch rate.
0: Well, I mean, that's true, I will say. I have a 75% catch rate, but I got you got to realize what he was dealing with in Cincinnati. I mean, look, yes, okay. He, he had Joe Burrow, a number one his number one quarterback. But also quarterback he had T Higgins year,
1: and he was facing team second and third best corners. Because he's got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins in front of him. He had no pressure. He looked washed. If you look at his misses, he can't elevate anymore. He can't get separation. He's covered on every pass, and he can't go up he just looks like he's broken down at this point and he just doesn't have it anymore
0: now and look so here's the thing right aj green is going to take away targets that is for sure and he's going to take away targets from anybody other than deandre hopkins because that guy is locked in at like a what 500 targets this season so anybody that's behind deandre hopkins in my opinion in that team is a is a toss-up and so with aj green in there, it's just another thing to cloud up the mix. I'm not saying Christian Kirk's not going to be great. I'm just saying he's not going to be as good as everybody or you even really expect him to be. I think he'll be another mediocre wide receiver, fringe two, three kind of guy. And I really just think that's that's where he's at. I don't think he's going to be anything spectacular because Hopkins has the entire offense on lock and Murray, he does throw the ball a lot, but he also runs the ball a lot. So I think he may do that a little bit more next season now that he's got his legs more underneath them so uh all right so let's talk about a another quarterback who's found a new home and i to me i think this is where where i'm at but adam wants to question me about my take on matthew stafford so go ahead adam have at it
1: yeah i'm just trying to figure out why you have matthew stafford having one of the worst years of his career all right you've got him slated for 15 interceptions rod can you tell me the last time matt stafford threw f- 15 interceptions in his career?
0: He has not. And it's been a very long time since he's thrown anything close to that. It's been since 2013.
1: 2013, he threw 19. His first couple years in the league, he was rough. He's been... He had 12, 13... 5 in 2019 and 10 last year. He's not a guy who throws picks. He's he's going to take chances down the field. But also last year, even when you think about his 10 picks, who the hell was he throwing the ball to in Detroit? Now he's got Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, two of the best, one of the best one-two punches as far as receiving duos go. And you think that's going to go down? I mean, right now, Matthew Stafford coming in at QB 29. Like... Ah. I just, that seems way too low. You have Jared Goff better than him. And Jared Goff is trash. Like, Rod, just talk to me, man. Come on.
0: All right, listen. There were 57 interceptions thrown by NFC West quarterbacks last season. 14 by Wilson, 13 by Goff, 12 by Mullins, 12 by Murray. That means that he is in a division now that actually plays defense and plays defense well. So I have a feeling that with the new system, with a new team with new everything around him look i know he's it's an upgrade i get that but he's also facing some very very stout defenses i'm not scared by chicago secondary i'm not scared by pretty much any of what the secondaries he was facing when he was in detroit i'm not really scared by them but the nfc west has some very good secondaries and they are ready to exploit any opposing quarterback so For me, when you start looking at a guy like Matthew Stafford, who, let's face it, he might not be the youngest guy out there anymore, and I don't think he was an upgrade over Jared Goff, in my opinion, for that team. I don't know why all the the shuffle happened in the first place, but I'm telling you, a lot of those picks that he's going to throw... Why it happened, Jared Goff is a system quarterback who can't do anything.
1: Matthew Stafford is a gamer who's produced in every situation he's been in, and is a former mind you number one overall pick Matthew Stafford is a baller and he now has the best receiving weapons he's had since Megatron left. Also this stout defense you talked about the Seattle Seahawks were second last year in passing yards allowed and you know the 49ers I'll give them to you the 49ers solid you know. Bottom of the barrel there. But it's just, it's not something where you're like, oh, that, you know, those NFC West defenses, they're scary. They're not that scary. They're not that intimidating. If I'm looking at it, Matthew Stafford's going to carve up those defenses. He's got the best running game he's ever had with Cam Akers. He has weapons around him. He has an offensive minded coach. Matthew Stafford is in for a top 15 year.
0: We'll see. I, I don't see it. I mean, again, this is one of those guys where I think everybody's high on him every single year. And I mean, look, as an NFL quarterback, absolutely, yes. But as a fantasy quarterback, I'd, I'm not looking at him anywhere near where he should be. So, uh, speaking of other good players that are good in the actual game itself, rather than I think for fantasy purposes, uh, we're going to move on to Chris Carson. I did not give him enough respect. Adam took exception to that, and now uh, he wants to to ask me why. So your turn, Adam, ask me why. <laughs>
1: I, you just asked yourself why. I want to hear you explain why.
0: Look, I don't think... Okay, look, I know Chris Carson has like a couple of thousand yard seasons to his name. That's that's brilliant. That's wonderful. But he also has two years of injuries uh, to his name. And when you start to get a guy that is injury prone, I'll put that in air quotes because once you've had one, experts will say you're up for more, right? And so now you start to have carry that mantle of, I'm going to get injured. So can you trust him for a full season? Can he get you where you need to go for a full season? He's actually slated for a 50%, 57% chance of re-injury in 2021. It's a little more than half. That's still more than I'm comfortable with. And not to mention, I really feel like at this point, somebody's got to let Russ cook, right? I mean, they've, they have DK Metcalf, they got Tyler Lockett, they've got guys that can catch those balls and the only way that they can win the West, look, they haven't been able to do this the way they want to because they're not letting Russell go all the way. They got to let him go. If they want to win, if they want to win the West, if they want to win a Super Bowl, they've got to lean on their best player and Chris Carson, I don't think, is in that best player. Plus, they've got other stuff, other pennies and all these other guys that that muck up the waters. And to me, that's not necessarily a, a Chris Carson recipe for anything more. Now, I will say this, Adam. I will, I will counter with this real quick. I did, uh, this is my first time ever doing projections, right? I looked back at my workbook. I had 210 carries, 948 yards for him. For some reason, that didn't transfer to the actual sheet itself but uh i will say that that's still less than what you probably think he's gonna have
1: Nah, uh, this is this this sounds like some shady dealing here <laughs> oh i look back at this work that nobody else saw and he had 210 blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> rod over here inventing stuff saying there's things hidden and ah oh, lord rod at the end of the day Chris Carson, you know, sure, we can talk about this injury-prone label. At the end of the day, he missed two games in 2018, one game last year, and he missed four last year in a weird COVID year. Okay, that happens. Back Before last year, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, nine and seven touchdowns, and he has no one else competing with him. I mean, Carlos Hyde last year took 81 carries, DJ Dallas 34. You know, if you're looking at that backfield, Rashad Penny isn't going to see that workload. Rashad Penny's proved... That he's not that guy. He just ain't that dude. He's not the one you're looking for. He just can't do it. He's not going to be there. He's not going to step up like that, um, you know. And same thing with DJ Dallas. As much as I like him as a rookie, he just doesn't seem like he has it. Nor does Travis Homer. It just feels like Chris Carson's going to be the guy there in Seattle.
0: Well, I think a lot of people that are drafting Chris Carson now share your uh, enthusiasm, but I will definitely let him go. And if I get beat by him in the finals, so be it. But I still don't trust a running back in Seattle uh, that is not named Marshawn Lynch. So... Uh, all right. Speaking of, well, I don't know how to make that transition. We're just going to move to the NFC North. <laughs> and we're going to bring on Scott R. to defend his projections for that frigid NFC North. Uh, Adam, you wanted to start with uh, one guy I, I tend to like, and I don't know if you do too, but Robert Tanyan over there in Green Bay, uh, he's got a jump coming to him, according to Scott, but you don't seem to think so. So Adam, go ahead and, uh, and tackle that.
1: I mean, there's a jump and then there's just an unexplained stratospheric clearance. You know, you got Robert Tanyan down for 90 targets when last year he had 59 and he played in all 16 games. You have him jumping from being the fourth highest targeted guy on the Packers to being the second highest guy, clearing Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Aaron Jones. Oh, and by the way, Alan Lazard will be healthy and... You know, they have a bunch of other guys, and I just don't see how Robert Tanyan
3: goes to being a 90-target guy. Okay, well, first of all, hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Didn't get an intro there. Hi, how's it going? But to answer your question about Tanyan, I'm a big fan of what he showcased last year. First of all, you got to remember with all these numbers, I'm also adjusting to an extra game. Second of all, you look at the snap counts, and that's kind of where I draw the line here with Tanyan and why I think he will be in line for a very, very big jump. You look at his percentages and snap counts, And he was mostly hovering around 60%. Now, that sounds relatively decent, but for a guy of Tunyon's, I'd say, quality that he showcased last season, I'm going to pencil him in for playing at least three-quarters of the snaps in pretty much every game this season. So I do think you will see more targets and more receptions based on the increased workload that you should see from him in the upcoming year. Once again, though, I do have to admit that the projections are contingent upon Aaron Rodgers actually playing. So I do have to bring that up because if he's not – then I'm obviously going to have to reevaluate some things. No offense to Jordan Love. But at the end of the day, the point is, is that Tunyon was great last year. Rodgers really, really seemed to like him as the season progressed. You have Mercedes Lewis, who's also back, but he hasn't really been a factor. He's pretty much a glorified blocker at this stage in his career. And Sternberger suspended to start the year. I don't think he's going to play much of a factor on the team. But Tunyon definitely seemed to be one of Rodgers' favorite targets. You mentioned Lazard being back. Are we sure he's going to stay healthy for a full year? Because I'm not.
1: But here's my question – over the last five years, has a Packers tight end ever broken the 90 target threshold?
3: Has another Packers tight end ever played with 17 regular season games or no? No, but Jimmy Graham played 16 in 2018 and he got and he peaked at
1: 89. So you're telling me you think Jimmy Graham is Worse than Robert Tanyan. You think Robert Tanyan is better than Jimmy Graham. And outside of that outlier, keep in mind here, 2019, top-targeted tight end, 60 targets. 2017, top-targeted tight end, 38. 2016, top-targeted tight end, we got 51. You're saying this Packers offense is going to undergo this transformational shift to all of a sudden be tight end heavy. And I just— don't see that happening.
3: I'm still distracted by your point and ask me if I think Robert Tanyan's better than an older version of Jimmy Graham. I think the answer is obviously yes.
1: I, I mean, even 2017—that's not that old. Than asking, Jimmy did you Graham. Th-
3: did you think Jimmy Graham was good on the Packers? Yeah, he was. He was Com- 89 targets. He, he was productive. The Jimmy Graham doesn't. He have had the that one year.
1: He had that one good year. The one year, the first year he was there, he was healthy and played all 16 games. He was a good and relevant fantasy asset.
3: Okay. Yeah, He's played 89 targets in 16 games. I'm saying a healthy Tanyan could put up 90 in 17 games. I don't see but the
1: That's the one outlier year. It's an outlier year. Other than that, tight ends in Green Bay don't break 60 targets. They're lucky if they get to 60 targets. And you're saying that this Green Bay offense and Aaron Rodgers is suddenly going to change – what he does, and what he does is he targets his wide receivers. He locks onto Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams just cooks guys. And Correct. occasionally, he puts a shot over the top to MVS or Alan Lazard or checks down to Aaron Jones. The tight end is a not even a tertiary option in Green Bay. He's just a fun story who happened to get open in the red zone a bunch. Agree to disagree. We'll see.
0: I got to unmute myself because that was a heated... Oh, all right, so... <laughs> Let's move on to that, Jimmy Graham, because uh, that seems to be the hot topic right now. Jimmy Graham, still relevant or not? That is the question Adam wants to know.
3: I think he's relevant if you're desperate. But no, as a whole, I don't really think he's the number one tight end in Chicago. If you looked at how the season progressed, Cole Komet took over the majority of the snaps. You can go through the actual numbers. In the last six games of the regular season, Jimmy Graham played in less than 54% of the snaps.
1: Wait, 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you look at your projections? Because your projections are telling a different story. Your projections are saying Jimmy Graham getting targeted 71 times to Cole Komet's 53. You got Jimmy Graham as the tight end one there in Chicago.
3: Well, the point that I was trying to make is that I still think that Nagy might try to force feed Graham a little bit. I think Komet's the better option. And also, you have to wonder if you want to play it safe as a handicu- as a, handicu- as a sorry, a handcuff. Jimmy Graham, I know he was healthy last year. He's had some issues in the past. I think Nagy is going to try to stick with his usual guns. I'm also not a big Nagy guy. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I do think that Graham is going to still try to remain that red zone tight end threat that they're going to try to force feed because he still is very good at catching touchdown passes. But I do have some concerns, potentially, that it should be roll, And yet, I don't think the Bears might fully pivot the way that they should. I think as the season progresses, you might see a little bit more of Komet. I think Komet should be the starter day one, but once again, I'm not in charge of actually making the roster decisions, so they're going to stick with Graham to start the year, which is why I have the pro- why I have the projections that way. I just disagree I think, with what the philosophy is going to be. I
1: think you're just hedging too much. I think Matt Nagy knows the writing's on the wall here. Even, anytime you draft a young quarterback like Justin Fields, you either have to get him in there and prove that you can be the guy who can make him do something, and you don't want Jimmy Graham on the field doing that. You need to put your best weapons on the field, and that's going to be Cole Komet. Like you said, you made my argument for me. Cole Komet looked like the better tight end down the stretch last year. He's going to be the guy this year. Jimmy Graham is going to fade into irrelevancy. And I'd be shocked if he's not cut in the preseason. He just he looks like a guy who his best days are behind him. He doesn't have that explosiveness and that athleticism that we all raved about. The former basketball players, we were always reminded, he just looks like a shell of himself, and he's just not that guy. If you're going after a Chicago tight end, it's definitely Cole Komet. And well, it really feels like, you know. You know, if Matt Nagy is rolling out Jimmy Graham, Matt Nagy's not making it through the end of this season as the Bears head coach.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you normally, but I also got to remember that Nagy's choosing Andy Dalton over Justin Fields, so I don't exactly trust talent evaluation. I think think that's a
1: bluff. I think it's going to be Justin Fields starting day one. There's no way, if you're Matt Nagy, you have to prove that the young guy can develop. You have to prove you can't hedge your bets. You can't try to hold back. If you're Matt Nagy, you're coaching for your job this year. And that's going to be a benefit for fantasy players who trust Justin Fields because Justin Fields is going to have a big year, Cole Komet, big year, and this next guy that we're going to talk about is going to have a big year.
3: Well, just one thing, as I mentioned in projections, I'm mostly just assuming that Nagy's going to stay stubborn. I do think Komet is the better tight end just based on talent, but I am going to point out that even though you're cross-examining me, you said that Jimmy Graham's going to be cut before the season starts. And you said that you think Fields is actually going to start week one. So we'll see how those age. I think Dalton's going to play. And I do think that Graham's going to be on the roster.
0: Let's let's not talk about Fields. The wound is still too deep that the Niners did not take him. I'm so sad about that. Uh, so, yeah, let's stay in Chicago, shall we? Let's talk about a, a young man that uh, we think, I think at least, is going to be on the rise. You seem to think so, Scott. Adam, I'm not sure because he's got a question mark by it, which means he doesn't question it. So, Adam, what, do you, what are you thinking here? About Darnell oh, no. Mooney.
1: Scott doesn't think Darnell Mooney's on the rise. Scott is thinking Darnell Mooney's going to stay where he was at at wide receiver 54, just getting 88 targets just seems like too low of a number. Darnell Mooney feels like he's in line for triple digit targets this year. Well, at, uh, sorry, you can finish your point. I mean, I mean the- that's just it. Darnell Mooney to the moon, you know, Mooney to the moon for me. I think he's going to have triple digit targets. I think he's going to be in a big way. I mean, You know, you look at his last – he had 98 targets last year. Andy Dalton's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles was at least.
3: Well, you're the one who said you don't think Dalton's going to play. I don't think he
1: is, and I think Justin Fields is better than all of them.
3: (laughs) I think there are some questions regarding how well Fields' accuracy is going to translate to the next level. So I think that that's part of the reason why I'm still not sold on Chicago's quarterback play. Plus, if you want to talk about targets, how many is Tariq Cohen going to get? because he was also a pretty big piece of that passing game in the last couple of years, and he barely played last year. Now, I know he's more of a check down option, but I think we can agree that Nagy's going to try to get him involved as the human joystick that he is. So I do think he'll get some targets. Tariq
1: Cohen can take those 75 targets from David Montgomery. I mean, David Montgomery is not going to see that heavy pass involvement this year, more than likely. When Tariq Cohen's back, he can take that Anthony Miller number. And we haven't touched Darnell Mooney. You know, you're taking Darnell Mooney's targets from guys like Corderell Patterson and Demetrius Harris and Javon Wims. You know, you're taking targets from those guys when you're getting Darnell Mooney to triple digits. And it just feels like, you know, and you could even take a little bit away from Allen Robinson, and Justin Fields can't be less accurate than Mitch Trubisky. We watched Justin Fields do some amazing things in that college football playoff, shredded a Clemson defense that everyone was toasting weeks before, and he just came out and made them look like a high school JV squad. I mean, Justin Fields I, is the I, real I... deal.
3: I also saw him struggle against Indiana and Northwestern. But, you know, you can pick whichever game you want to look at. But the point is is that I'm just not putting enough faith into a rookie quarterback. I know that you can think he's going to be good. I still think he's not going to play. I think they're going to end up switching quarterbacks midseason as Nagy tries to desperately save his job. But you can expect the jump from a guy. I just don't have any faith in either quarterback Chicago is going to use. So why am I expecting a huge jump from their non-wide receiver one? I just don't see it. I think that it's possible. But I think you're expecting a little bit too much from this let's just say, questionable quarterback grouping for Chicago?
1: I mean, as we look back over the history of Chicago, though, you just see they always have two receivers who are in that triple-digit range. You know, um, looking back, 2019 definitely had it. 2018, the only reason they didn't make it is because – Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel were hurt. You know, you look back to 2017, uh, 2017 before Nagy got there, it doesn't really matter. So, But you got these receivers year after year after year who on triple digit target pace. And you got to think Darnell Mooney looked like that guy last year and was just hamstrung by incompetent quarterback play. You got to figure the quarterback play can't get worse. So he just feels like he's a wide receiver two candidate this year all day long.
3: I think that he's good. You're just saying that it can't get it much worse. I'm saying I'm not sure if it can get much better.
0: Yeah. Well, though, I me mean,
3: I'm looking me at it the other way. <laughs> no, shit, I know
0: fine. Chicago is one of those battlefields that I may end up staying away from, and it's okay. I mean, especially maybe I'll take people in best ball. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah. All right. So listen, that was that was the defending of our our rankings. Now, if you listen to the last one, we actually get to grill the principal, and we will do that. After the break, we're going to come back and we're going to grill Adam about his AFC North projections, uh, and maybe we'll see if we can get him riled up, but uh, I doubt it. He's a rock. He's a guy that can stick through it. So uh, stick through these. We'll be back with more right after this. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. You can get in on all your favorite teams, all your favorite players, and sports, games, everything. They are also always, always running generous promos, odds, parlays. It's all going on right now at WinBet. If you get started today, we are going to hook you up with a special offer. It's up to $500 in risk-free sports bets. Of course, terms and conditions apply, but you can get the details right now at wynnbet.com. Download the app today. Place your bet. if. If you think my San Francisco Giants luck is about to run out, you can place a bet right now for the Phillies at plus 110 to beat the Giants. I don't think it's going to happen, but you can do it. And if they do, you're a winner. Go to WinBet right now. Place that bet among others and enjoy the experience at WinBet.com. I gotta tell you folks, ever since I joined and hooked up with the NFL world, I feel like I am always on. It's podcasts, it's articles, it's rankings, it's projections, it's all over the place and it's always on. Twitter, always on. Instagram, always on. You just need... A moment to chill every once in a while right so what do you do when you need that moment to chill how do you hit the reset button to get ready for that next Twitter post everything these days it's go 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 non-stop hustle all the time you got work you got family you got pre- presentations you got words that you can't even say look Everything's happening 24-7, but you need a moment sometimes to just turn it off So that my friends is when you reach for a Coors Light because it is literally made to chill I'm telling you you need this Coors Light to chill and there's only one beer out there That's actually literally made to chill again That is Coors Light the mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue and you know that your beer is cold that way You always know when it is time to chill Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for that beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. We're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA championship and Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors like yourself. See a ticket you like, but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair then buy it prop swap is making it easy to profit these playoffs by trading in and out teams as the postseason progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Montreal Canadiens Stanley Cup future for $45 when the team was down 3-1 to one against the Maple Leafs. A few days later, he was wise. Flipped it for $600. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money like most. It just needs to improve. Think the stock market, but for sports betting. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap swap app today ah we are back with more and it is time now for the fan of fantasy fantasy administrator look we're always on right grab that Coors light i, I know i'm going to after the show uh the fantasy administrator adam pelletier is going to be asked several questions first we're going to have jeremy step up to the mic and take the uh, fantasy administrator to task Jeremy, you got a question for our guy about uh, the bank, the Bengals, the Bengals. What is that for him?
2: Yeah, my big question here is: is why is Jamar Chase only get forty seven receptions on a hundred targets? Is he that bad? You're looking at something wrong because he's got sixty five on one
1: hundred eight. I am. I don't know. Are look you look- at, unless I'm reading the wrong person here? I think you're reading the wrong person because I've got Jamar Chase down 108 for 65 and four touchdowns. Okay, That sounds like A.J. Green's numbers from last year. Yeah, it
2: could be. I could be looking at the wrong thing here.
1: But, you know, if you're looking at that Bengals receiving court, it's tricky because you've got three guys, you know, that Zach Taylor, that L.A. Rams style offense is just You know, it's known it's got three receivers spreading the ball out, 100, 100, 100 targets, almost like clockwork. Somebody always pulls just a little bit ahead, and it's tough to figure out who's going to get the touchdown work. So you're spreading it around, and right now they are coming in kind of middle of the pack. Wide receiver 31, wide receiver 43, wide receiver 45, right in the middle of the pack. They're right in in the wide receiver three, four, four category in actuality probably going to be somebody in the wide receiver 2 category and then two guys in the wide receiver 3 category but this all comes down to what happens with those extra targets does Auden Tate steal targets does Drew Sample steal targets how involved is Joe Mixon when they get down around the red zone and you know I think they want to keep Joe Mixon pretty involved which is going to hurt the receivers especially when they get down towards the red zone
2: so you realistically think Jamar Chase is wide receiver 3
1: yeah, I think Jamar Chase is a wide receiver three. I think I think all the Bengals receivers, again, the problem is is the tight ends, you know, what's going to happen with the tight ends? You're looking at it. What are they going to do? And it's just tough to stretch somebody out because tight ends are such a fluky proposition.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just still see that I think that Jamar Chase comes in and commands a little bit more than that. I think T. Higgins is the one who's going to see the drop-off. I just think that the repertoire. I know it's a old cliche saying, probably, but I just think that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are just, they grew up in LSU together. I think that that's what they want, and I think Joe Burrow wanted Jamar Chase, and I just feel like Outside of scheme, I think Jamar Chase is going to get that benefit of the doubt, and I think that Joe Burrow is going to target him more. I I just feel like Chase is probably pushing more towards the T. Higgins area. I think that Chase should push more into that wide receiver 3-2 to two range. I do agree with you that I think Tyler Boyd is probably going to lead the team. I just feel like he's a safer option for Burrow, especially playing in the slot if Chase plays outside, but I just feel like Jamar Chase should
1: easily be the second receiver on that team. I just think that number one option is going to be T Higgins Um, from a fantasy perspective. Mind you, this Mm -hmm. is what we're talking. We're talking a fantasy perspective because he's a big bodied guy who can make plays in the red zone and go up and get those touchdowns. He can play and run. What are some effectively tight end routes? You know, he had six touchdowns last year and he did a bunch of that without Joe Burrow last year. Let's just remember. And he didn't start week one. He didn't really play in week 16 either, You know, one target in week 16 for a season low. This is a guy who, with another year in the league, just has the physicality, has the tools, has the abilities to just go to the moon. I think T. Higgins is leading that team as the wide receiver one. And eventually, I think Tyler Boyd takes a step back. And I think we're talking next, this time next year, about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as being one of the best wide receiver tandems in the NFL.
0: Scary to think, right? That Bengals offense could actually be something. Uh, I don't know if the NFL's ready for fantasy. that. Fantasy. It could be fantasy. Oh, okay. Relevant. Okay. <laughs> Since we're differentiating here. Uh, all right. Speaking of being fantasy relevant and the guy that used to be fantasy relevant, my question, because I get to ask the question now, Adam. Why do you hate OBJ so much? You've got him right now at 53 receptions for 738 yards. And I mean, we're talking about a 17-game schedule here. Do you just not like the guy anymore? Is his one-handed catches aren't good enough for you anymore?
1: No, his one-handed catches were never anything. They were <laughs> clickbait bullshit, you know. But the other thing you gotta look at is last year he had one game with 10 targets. His target totals last year, 10, 6, 6, 8, 9, 3, and then one. All right, he's not a guy who's commanding a large portion of that offense. And that offense really started to look better when they got away from the run and gun, throwing the ball all over the field. They're a team that wants to run the ball early and run the ball often. They want to focus on short passes. You know, they're going to get a few deep shots to their receivers, but it's a lot to the tight ends and running backs. That's where this team is going to be at its best. This team is going to run through its backs and tight ends, which is why when you're looking at it, you know, you're probably looking at a bigger season. For Austin Hooper, you're going to see Rashad Higgins keep taking that step forward. Kareem Hunt is still going to be involved. And Nick Chubb is probably going to be involved in the passing game as well. I just don't think there's enough targets in a run-first team to get OBJ involved.
0: But you've also got Landry at not even hitting 800 yards as well. So I mean, are both of these receivers? I mean, you got them pretty close together at, at a 700 and what thirty seven hundred and twenty seven fifty. It's so you got them close together. I mean, what is it about other the the targets that you are not liking out of that? I know you said that they're going to spread it around, but I mean, is Baker Mayfield that bad too?
1: No, it's not that anybody's bad. It's just what this team wants to do. This team wants to run the ball early and often you know they're not a pass heavy team you know last year they only had you know three games where they broke 300 passing yards other than that they're sub 300 passing yards in every game they're a run first runoff in team and with that strong defense you know you win games by keeping the ball away from superstar quarterbacks like patrick mahomes they almost won that game in kansas city this year but they couldn't keep the ball away from the chiefs offense you have to run the ball. You have to keep the ball away from the high-powered quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. You can't be throwing the ball. And this team, again, only three three hundred yard games last year. Only broke two fifty. Uh, you know, on an additional two three occasions. This isn't a team that's throwing the ball.
0: So, are you banking on the better days are behind Odell Beckham Jr.? Is he on the decline now? In this
1: offense, yeah, the better days are behind him. I just don't think he's a guy that you want to invest heavily in in the early rounds. He's a late, you know, he's a mid round flyer and you're hoping for some touchdown upside and some big plays. He's a flex option right now at best. There are just so many better receivers out there who are just going to be more involved, have more volume. You know, if you're sitting there, Thinking he's gonna be you know a wide receiver one you're clinging to the past
0: yeah that's not that's not good for fantasy purposes probably not good for nfl purposes either uh and speaking of avoiding folks scott you are trying to figure out and and want to discuss avoiding pittsburgh offense uh so please explain yourself and then be sure to grill adam about it too
3: well it mostly involves the fact that big ben just regressed dramatically as he's in progress you can talk about his numbers and how he was awful uh, throughout, I know he 3,800 yards, the lowest total since 2012. If you exclude the two games he played in 2019, also averaged just three, uh, just 6.3 yards per attempt, which was the lowest is in his entire career. But I do have a question that I do want to ask about Najee Harris because you haven't projected for a little bit over 1,100 yards rushing, and I'm kind of curious as to why. And the main reason is because of the fact that Pittsburgh lost a decent portion of the. I'd say steady contributors on an offensive line. Pro Football Focus gave Pittsburgh the 29th-ranked offensive line in the league since Pouncey retired and Villanueva is now in Baltimore. So my question is, with a quarterback that can't really throw the ball that far, so I'm assuming that you're going to have the defense press a lot and play kind of box coverage or so, why do you think Harris is going to have a great season behind a very, very underwhelming offensive line? I don't know that 1,100
1: yards is a great season that slots them in is RB19. Let's just put that in perspective. Um, and that's 1,100 yards in the 17-game season. Because last year, this team did run for 1,300 yards and did get an additional about 400 yards from its running backs in the passing game. So there's opportunity out there. And, you know, as far as we know, they want it to be Najee Harris and only Najee Harris coming out of the backfield. So at the end of the day, he's not going to have a great year because they like to manufacture a run game, which is, you know, I'm not in on big Ben, not necessarily crazy about Najee Harris. You know, maybe if I can scoop him in the third round, but I'm looking at those receivers, especially in PPR because they do the dink and dunk, the old school Andy Reed manufacturer running game through short passes kind of running game. And I think, you know, you're know, you going to see Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster all be well into the triple digits for targets and could approach triple digits and catches. And at the end of the day, if you're playing PPR or half-point PPR, those guys are just going to score a bunch of points because they're just going to touch the ball so much. They're not going to get you yardage numbers. They might not get you touchdowns. But if they're going to touch the ball, they're going to get you points.
3: So I kind of just circles back to my one of the points that I ended up making. How concerned are you about this Pittsburgh offensive line? Because Massively. Massively. It is not good. No, it's not. The
1: Steelers offense isn't good. It's not the offense it once was. I'm only interested in them from a pure volume play standpoint. That's the only reason you want to get excited about Pittsburgh is you know that they're probably going to be in some shootouts because the defense has quietly and sneakily gotten worse. They looked bad without Bud Dupree last year, and he's gone now everyone's touting T.J. Watt as the second coming when T.J. Watt is just a fun edge rusher who can't actually wreck a game.
3: Okay, so I think we're on the the same page about Pittsburgh, but the only difference is that you just think Harris is going to get so much volume that he's still going to produce. Volume's
1: king, man. I mean, if you're looking at Najee Harris, you know, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to have close to 270, 280 touches. That's just a massive amount of touches. That's going to make him at least an RB, two you can't hate that. You can't, you got to take a chance on that. He's not the, uh, he's not this first, second round talent that people are thinking he is, but he does belong on your roster. If he can slip to the third or fourth round.
3: That's fair. I just don't want to touch this team with a 10-foot pole. because I don't blame
1: forward. you. I, there's a world where this team just falls off a cliff and is just an absolute disaster. And Dwayne Haskins is starting by the end of the year, and it somehow all gets worse.
3: You like Matt Canada as the new offensive coordinator? Or you're I don't know was? anything about Matt Canada. All I know is... it's also why I'm not investing in Pittsburgh. Yeah, a, I don't mean, know about the offensive line. Yeah. Well, okay. i tell you,
0: Pittsburgh has been one of those teams where I love them so much. And just because, I don't know, I irrationally love Pittsburgh. They're just gritty and then they always suck. So I don't know. For me, it's it's bad. Uh, all right. This is the part of the show where we normally do quality control. But I mean, listen, I've got three heavy hitters in here. There's nothing I've got to correct uh, and, and really nothing more that I need to add to this as quality control uh, other than to say that uh, if you want to go check out our projections, they're up on the website right now and uh, you definitely want to go see where we uh, rank everybody because listen I don't know about you guys this is my first year doing projections and I got to say this was a hell of a lot more than I thought and I appreciate every single person now that ever puts together projections because I didn't realize exactly how much goes into uh, this every year year in and year out so um, I, you know Adam thanks for the opportunity to do this and, and Scott Jeremy Scott and all the other folks that are out there I mean you you got to go look at the hard work that everybody put in because, you know, yeah, you're going to disagree. Adam knows because Adam disagrees with a lot of it. Um, but, you know, that's, that's where we are right now in the season. We're not even, I don't even want to, how many days away from week one? And so there's a lot to go, a lot of news to break and a lot of stuff to actually, um, happen between now and then maybe a few more signings, a few more injuries, uh, that, that could shake up the whole land, uh, landscape of this thing. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go around now and just let everybody kind of plug themselves and where they can find all of their work. And then uh, we'll go ahead and, and let everybody go and, and check out the projections on the website. So Adam, why don't we start first fantasy administrator? Where can everybody find you?
1: Uh, You can find me at Adam Pelletier on Twitter. we got a whole bunch of stuff coming out over on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Projections are live. Our fantasy rankings are going to be going live in the next couple days as well. Look for everything to keep being updated. Keep your eye out for great content coming the rest of this month and through July. We've got uh, some cheat sheets that are going to be dropping here, getting you prepped for your dynasty season. And once August 1st hit, all the redraft content you could possibly want to help you dominate and win your league so be ready I'll stay tuned
0: sgpn the only place you need to be Woo-hoo. scott R, your turn yep. tell everybody they so can find you
3: you can find me at racial radio on twitter other than that though uh it's fun being on the podcast i've i was also on the nba podcast today with ryan mckee so if you want to check that out you can other than that yeah guest appearing in some podcasts mostly doing video editing but a lot of fun
0: scott's the multi he's the swiss army knife of this of this sports gambling podcast site so uh jeremy where can they find you my friend
2: yeah you guys can find me on twitter at popes ffh and you can find any of my writing here obviously at sgpn and you can find some of it over at yards per um but mostly on twitter send me any dms any dynasty devy questions any redraft gets a little dicey but i can try and help you out
0: and again a wealth of knowledge here at the SGPN. And I got to tell you, you will not uh, be disappointed. Downloading the app, checking out the website, just following everybody on this uh, whole thing for information. Is br- That's not the what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this. Ads were about to play again, but we don't need to do it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It's been a blast. Again, this was our projections defense. And uh, we are happy that you listened. Again, check out all of our stuff on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network website, and uh, make sure you download the app so you can get all the push notifications on when these episodes come out, so you never miss one. Next week, we'll be back with more. But uh, until then, thanks for everybody for listening. Let it ride. We've built our walls. It's our shield and cow